welcome to another episode of Individuality Unleashed. I'm Vern Trimble, Senior Director of Marketing here at Wonderkin, and I am joined today by Lorraine Hutchison. It's so great to have you today, Lorraine. Lorraine is an analyst with Bank of America. I think I have your title right. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and make sure that I have it right. <laughs> yes, you do. Thank you. Um, I am. I'm, I'm an equity analyst at Bank of America. And what that means in real terms is um, I look at a specific sector, which for me is retail, and I try to value the public company stocks within that sector. So what I look at is their strategy, their earnings power, and try to predict how they'll do in the future. Um, from that, we derive a value of the stock and, and we give advice to investors on how to invest in the, spe- in the space. That's, that's, that's great, Lorraine. I imagine that it's a very important role to hold right now, considering what a lot of retailers are experiencing as far as the retail recession that they're facing. Look, it's been, I mean, it's never easy to yeah. be a retailer. I think the past three years have been the most challenging most in the sector have ever seen. Um, I've been doing this 22 years. I've never seen anything like it. It's wild. And considering we just got through a global pandemic <laughs> right. to now be faced with an economic recession and, again, retail recession, uh, it, it's it's tough. So the hope for for me for this conversation and to our listeners and viewers out there is really to get your expert analysis on what's going on in the market to kind of help them make sense of uh, just the onslaught of challenges that they're currently facing to hopefully, you know, face these headwinds and come out victorious. Maybe we could talk about some good opportunities, too. Oh, yeah. I love that. We are all about adding insight and value to to our, our marketers' playbook. So hopefully uh, they, they take away some actual insights from this conversation today. Great. Great. So, Lorraine, uh, Lorraine, I'd like to understand why it's important for brands to first understand the current state of the economy holistically. Look, I think it it will really change your strategy depending on how healthy the consumer is. And that's something that we really focus on. At Bank of America, we have a lot of data and um, a lot of try to use a lot of insight into the customers to look a little bit more strategically at retailers. And tr- unless you understand the state of the economy, it's hard to plan your business, right? Whether you're planning your inventory levels, your marketing budget, um, you don't really know what that'll look like until you can really get a feel for what the demand looks like. And how does one get a get a feel other than, than talking to you, of course? Like, what, what are some of the first things and steps that they can take to do that? Hey, yeah, I mean, we, we publish a lot of insight. We have an, a whole team that just does macro economic research. Mm-hmm. And so they look at tons and tons of data and um, work with the Fed and, and talk to a variety of different stakeholders to try to figure out what happens. Um, so they have a broad view on the economy. And then what I have to do is try to translate that to what it'll mean for retail. So for example, you may have a surge in consumer spending, mm-hmm. but if everybody's using those dollars to go on vacation and go out to eat instead of buying clothes, you know, that's bad for my sector, it's bad for the retailers or vice versa, right? If nobody's bought anything for two years because of the pandemic yeah. and suddenly they're vaccinated and they got a big stimulus check, right. they buy a lot of clothes, right? So if we can try to predict that, you know, it helps really uh, for us to chart the path on where earnings and cash flow will come from. Yeah. Really unpredictable right now? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> really unpredictable right now. <laughs> I mean, week by week. You know, wow. it's really, it's really that the trends are really changing week by week. And they're, I think what's hard for retail is there's been some really abrupt changes. Yeah. So, you know, if you look back to March, 
we were lapping a great time in retail from the stimulus last year, right? right? And all of a sudden you lap that and at the same time gas prices spike. Right. And then Ukraine goes into war and food prices spike. Like the low income consumer just stopped. Yeah. You know, they just it it was like a sharp intake of breath. They just stopped spending. And then it slowly trickled up into the middle income consumer. So Mm -hmm. we didn't really see much in the data until Mm mid-June, where suddenly, you know, where you first saw it was people who had bought some really nice spring fashion started returning it. Mm. And it's like you got your card statement and you saw "Mm, my grocery bill was high. My gas price was high. I probably can't afford this dress. You send it back. Right. So that was the first tell. And then we started to see retail traffic and sales start coming down. So it has been extremely volatile. Um, Maybe a little bit of good news is we've just gotten through back to school. Yeah. And during times of economic duress or real stress on the consumer's wallet, it's really the times of need based purchase that are the best. Mm. And look, um, you know, you're not buying size seven for your eight year old this year you have to buy new clothes. So if there's a time of need, you absolutely go buy. So we did see demand trends really start to stabilize during the back to school season. Um, And now we're in a little bit of a lull, probably till Black Friday. Yeah, so a little behavioral economics versus traditional microeconomics. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that in consideration, understanding inflation and what's happening with unemployment rates Mm -hmm. and uh, just considering behavioral economics and how people are choosing to spend their money right now, can you uh, shed some light on the current market landscape and what you think it means for retailers today? Sure, yeah. I mean, I'll give the good news first. Okay. The checking and savings account balances for the average consumer are above pre-pandemic levels. Oh, that's good. And you know the reason for that is they got a lot of stimulus, yeah, unemployment's very low, wages are up, right? So I think the really good news is, is people have used the past couple of years to really improve their situation. There's some savings, um, delinquencies on credit cards are down. So you have a little bit of firepower to cushion. And that's a good thing because, as you indicated, inflation is really rising and things are starting to tighten up. So you have seen some change in spending behavior. You have seen things get a little bit tight for the paycheck to paycheck consumer. Um, But the good news is we have a a bit of cushion. Mm -hmm. The bad news is the Fed continues to raise interest rates to try to get rid of that inflation. And and that's going to make things a little tough. So, you know, as you said, it's it's a pretty tricky macro environment. our economists are calling for continued weakness into the first half of next year. So I think we will have to, you know, really get creative as the retailers really have to get creative on how they navigate this environment. That, that's excellent. That's that's such a good uh, perspective to give us because it's filled with a lot of truth, right? We don't want to sugarcoat. We want to have be optimistic, of right. course. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's like we want to be truthful about the situation because it only will give marketers the ability to plan appropriately mm-hmm. when considering how to drive more revenue during this this kind of precarious time. Yeah. Yeah. Um what's your perspective on consumer spending and shopping behaviors now, especially leading into Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which mm-hmm. for us marketers is like the Super Bowl of Super Bowls yeah. for like consumer shopping. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think there's a real focus on value where there hadn't been last year. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of of other change in behavior. Think back to last year. All we talked about was the supply chain. Right. And, And like I talk about it at work a lot, but then I'd go out. 
see friends go to party and everybody's talking about the supply chain, mm -hmm. you know, to the point where I was telling my sales force in September, go buy what you need for Christmas yeah. or you're not going to get it. Exactly. And there were, you know, a hundred ships sitting outside the port of LA. A lot of things didn't make it. So everybody bought early. Yeah. So you didn't have that same October lull mm -hmm. in spending because people were buying and they were buying at full price. Right. The backlogs cleared, the supply chain's moving, everybody bought in, the retailers brought their product in early, a couple months early to avoid what happened last year, mm -hmm. and then demand slowed. Right. So you have a lot of inventory sitting out there. Now, unfortunately, the media is out there this year saying, wait, the deals are going to get better and better. Oh, and they're probably right. But, you know, I think you will see a bit of a dead zone in October yeah. because there's no call to action. Back to school's over. And the consumer's savvy enough to know that if he or she waits, the deals probably get better. So I think you know there's a challenge in that period. Yeah. And then you know, no holds bar, Black Friday or Cyber Monday, really the right. week, the Thanksgiving week, right. right, will be a time when when I think more people shop this year. Because remember, too, we also still had a lot more COVID fears last exactly. year. There was less in-person shopping. So I, I think it will be um, a shorter holiday season and and that means it'll be crazy for all the Absolutely retailers nuts. to drive that kind of sales volume throughout those days so it's imperative I, from what i'm hearing it's imperative to plan ahead yep and to have the resources in place in order to uh be more uh proactive as, as opposed to reactive mm -hmm. uh and not only from the brand side but also from like consumers from what i'm hearing i need to start shopping now is that, is that what you're telling me you, you'll probably get better deals if you wait i shouldn't probably <laughs> say that but um it, you know look remember last year was a totally different ball game we still had a lot of um of traffic limitations in right. stores you had omicron hitting right around christmas week so christmas yeah. week the week after was really tough for retailers. So there were a lot of challenges last year. I think this is kind of a year where you could really let it rip, but <laughs> the message has to be more focused on value than it was before because the consumer is just feeling pinched in every other aspect. The, the, the things they need mm -hmm. to buy are more expensive. So the things they want to buy have a little bit less budget available for them. Exactly, and they are prioritizing what they need. Have to. As opposed to what they want. So that should be a clue to our listeners and to our viewers that when we're thinking about marketing mm -hmm. and driving loyalty and just overall affinity for your brand, focusing on those things that your customers need, but you first have to understand what that is and you have to listen to your customers. So finding opportunities to listen, I'm, I'm certain, are imperative right now. And I don't think it has to necessarily be here is the price and it's 50% off. You know, that's always yeah. the way I think people love to try to market value. I, I think the consumer is has gotten sufficiently savvy that they want quality too. So yeah. if there's a way to promote a really sharp price point and highlight the quality, I think that works great in this kind of environment because you, you can't afford to buy something for $10 that falls apart. Exactly. You'd rather spend $15 on something that you can have for a couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. You can hand down if it's a, a child's garment, right? So yeah. I, I think there's there's a lot of nuance that can come in rather than everybody goes straight back to the old pre-pandemic promotional cadence, which they're all trying so hard to avoid. Yeah, totally. Like I'll like a personal scenario, like I have a very specific brand of cologne that I like to wear. I will always get it because it works for me. 
and I like the brand. Mm -hmm. And it will take a lot to ever to ever get me to, to shift away from that. So yep. it's really important not only from a from the position of understanding your audience and driving uh, value via discounts and opportunities. Not all consumers think about it in, in those terms. They think about it like from the perspective like I align with your brand values. Yeah. And yep. I align with the quality of your products. So I'm gonna stick with you. So I would imagine that it's important that brands do that or, or leverage that 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 frame of thought as they're they're driving engagement with their customers, which leads to my question around uh, just thinking about how re how retailers that you're personally working with are taking this new state of the economy and the strategies that they're, that they're deploying in order to, to stay above water. Yeah. So you know, I think right now they're in a little bit of a pickle because all that inventory just came in. Yeah. And remember, 2021 was a, it's a banner year for retail, right? There was so much pent up demand. There was stimulus. Everybody was just getting vaccinated. They were treating themselves, right? So th their wardrobe was stale and there's a lot of new fashion trends. So people really went in and refreshed their closets. And so it was a great year for a lot of the apparel retailers in particular. Um, as they were planning 22, many of them thought it would continue. And really what we've noticed now is that it, it was a lot of pent up demand and we're back to a more normal level. So what happens when they're forecasting is they buy inventory to that level. So we, we have too much inventory in the system. Mm. And we started to see that flush out over summer when we saw that sharp pullback in spending. And I think we'll have to see that also happen over holiday because mm. uh, by the time the consumer stopped spending, the inventory was already on the boats. Everybody yeah. brought it in early. So I think we have to contend with um, some excess inventory and some promotions. Mm. And so they need to do that in the most brand defensive way possible, right? You Sweet. don't want to get everybody excited about your promotions when you've really kind of weaned them off it over the past year. Right. So I think that will be the difficulty of, of this fall and winter season. The good news, though, is that when spending really pulled back in the spring, most of them were able to, to cut orders for, for next spring. Sure. So by the time we turn the year, you will have a much more normal operating environment. Yeah. So I think for now, it's near term. It's just kind of fix this problem, figure out what the consumer wants. But really, I think there's a great opportunity for next year mm. when inventory normalizes that's when you can really think strategically about how to defend or take share in a more difficult environment. We have more lead time. We know it's a tough macro environment, right? And you can plan your assortment. You can plan your strategy. You can plan your marketing to that, you know, with that in mind. That's really good. Because one thing that, that we as, as marketers can sometimes miss is like, yes, we're planning for the Super Bowl event, which is Black Friday, Cyber Monday. But are we also thinking about Q1 and Q2 mm -hmm. of the following year? Mm -hmm. How are we building moments of joy and affinity with our brands now to get customers to return during the, the, the first half of the year? Uh, so that makes a, a lot of sense. I also hear that you're telling brands like they shouldn't be offering like 70% discounts anytime soon. <laughs> look, at, everybody has to do it at the end yeah. of the season. You just right. hope it's not too much. Yeah. Right. So, so it's a it's just a fact of life. If, right. you've, if you've made a little fashion mistake or you have too much, that'll always happen. But um, to the extent that 
everyone can hold off a little bit. That's fine. But that's nobody wants to do that. Right. right? It's just it's more you you get nervous because spending is going to be later this year. So Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the big question. But you you mentioned joy. And I think that's something that's really important during recessions or tough macro times is giving the customer some real pleasure from their purchase. And that's hard. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, if you're a customer faced with rising costs and, you know, maybe a trickier um, job situation or something like that, it, it she will often shop to for need. But then if it can be a little bit joyful, mm-hmm. right, or fun. Yes. It, it just makes it, it it makes the brand affinity last so much longer. Right. Experience like creating those brilliant experiences mm-hmm. to bring joy and engagement. I, I yeah. love that. And, I, and it's sometimes those things aren't quantifiable. Like yeah. Sometimes it's difficult to measure those, but they're to your point. Lorraine, it's like, it's important. You want to do those things. Um, as you know, there was a major shift uh, to e-commerce during the pandemic, obviously. How sustainable is that? And what strategies do you think retailers can use to maintain their shares slash use their mm-hmm. omni-channel capabilities to better serve their customers? So yeah, there was there was clearly a huge shift in 2020 yeah. because nobody wanted to go into as well. The stores were closed. We couldn't. <laughs> couldn't. Um, once you could, the traffic was really, um, really very light because people were nervous yeah. about being in person. Um, I think you know we've now come down to a more normalized level. So most of the, the mall-based apparel retailers are kind of the mid 30% mm-hmm. penetration. And I think that's normal, right? They peaked at 45 for the year of 2020. They're back down to the mid 30s. And I think that's a healthy level, right? To have the store base and and the e-commerce at that level. What they're trying to do now is um, take share, use their store base as a way to bring joy or pleasure to their customers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can search online and do your research, but then you want to come in and touch and feel it. Um, you want the service provided by an associate. Maybe you just want the knowledge that will be there when you order it and pick it up. Um, so there's a lot of things that retailers are doing to try to gain share because they have stores. Um, you know, for the digitally native retailers, mm-hmm. they're you're providing the best possible experience to the customer doesn't want to go to the stores. Right. And so free shipping and returns is always a big one. Events. Um, differentiated marketing, things like that are always important. I think the thing that that I look forward to coming back is more in-store events mm. because that is yeah. a great way to differentiate yourself. You know, if you have, uh, if you go to a, a cosmetics store and there's somebody there who can give you a tutorial on a new product, you probably buy it and you have a lot of fun, right? And And so we used to see yoga classes at athletic stores and um, demos and um, champagne and sit and shops at boutiques and and those all went away during the pandemic and I think that's something that the store-based retailers can really do a good job of bringing back to to differentiate things and and create some more fun I totally agree it's it's what we lost was that in-store experience mm-hmm. but now what we've gained is a better understanding of our consumers because we had access to them digitally. Now it's trying to figure out like how to blend that digital and in-store experience into one consistent, cohesive experience, which can be a bit of a challenge. You have to have a lot of systems to tie together to make that work. But I think it should be, it should be a priority, I imagine. I think it, I think it should, you know, and I think it's, it's so different generationally. So you really have to target 
the right customer the right way, which is probably one of the bigger challenges of personalization yeah. is I think the older cohort tends to think it's creepy if you know too much about them. And the younger cohort is like, why don't you know this by now? <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's really, it's, I think it's a real challenge for uh, marketing professionals to figure out how far to go mm-hmm. um, because it can get a little creepy, yeah. but also it's convenient, right? You want somebody to serve up something that you didn't think that you needed, right? right? And that's probably the greatest way to get that attachment. I think that's so hard online. I think the data and the, the capabilities are getting a lot better these days. But, you know, I remember in, in 10 years ago, we'd hear from a lot of retailers and they'd say, oh, we've personalized. And what that meant was the email title said Lorraine. <laughs> and it was the same email selling the same stuff, but it just said Lorraine. And my whole team is on the email list. So we'd compare. It's it's all the same, yeah, right? It literally just the same. said your name. And now it's it's gone so much further. But I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for them to really... I, th- I think you make a good point. They have the data now, right? They have a lot more data than they ever did. Absolutely. And now it's time to really uh, unleash that and kind of scale it to making a difference. And and the bigger, better capitalized retailers have a real opportunity. Like to me, that's if we're talking about opportunities in a recession, mm-hmm. that's one thing that really stands out as a way to differentiate is, is you can afford to collect and analyze that data. You can afford to use it. And others can't. Exactly. Exactly. And, to, and I love the fact that you said this particular word, which is also the name of the podcast. <laughs> unleashing. <laughs> I didn't pay her to say that. But unleashing an individuality, which is essentially mm-hmm. an understanding your customers being able to serve up more customized, personalized mm-hmm. messaging yeah. to ultimately drive more affinity for your brand and therefore more loyalty, which then drives to return repeat customers more lifetime value and of course more revenue for the brand but it's to your point identifying who your customers are and what they need and what they want or don't want well really what they need right. um, <laughs> versus what they want during well, this. want to like i i always think about you know i i shop online for my son's baseball cleats right 10 year old kid baseball cleats that's all i'm coming from i'm right. purely transactional but you know what i also need Clearly, I'm going to be on the sidelines in October. I need a fleece. Yep. I need a nice chair. I might need a cooler. Exactly. You know, nobody serves you up the other things that come with that. And I think there's just so many things like that that you could say, well, I'll throw that in the basket. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they serve up like boys' athletic socks that are $5, and I, I right. don't buy them anyway, right? So <laughs> I think there's there's still a lot more kind of exciting things you can do from a personalization standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what will really stand out because we're coming into a time and, and this depends on how long this recession lasts, but you will see marketing budgets cut from the, you know, undercapitalized retailers. You will see store closures, right? You'll probably lose a few competitors, which is great and healthy for the guys who still exist and thrive. Right. And, and it's a really good way to, establish your brand and if you can keep that marketing budget to really take a lot of share because there will be many who have to cut not because they want to but they have to right and even like with those cuts realizing taking that spend and really prioritizing communicating to your target consumer Mm -hmm. no you know batch and blast spray and pray like, no, we know these, these are our loyalists. We're going to communicate to them. We're going to drive value from these folks because we know that they're loyal to our brand. Yep. 
And we'd certainly believe that here at Wonderkin. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, can there be any positives for retail other than what you just mentioned for, mm -hmm. for retailers during a recession? Are there any opportunities that you see in this current climate? I mean, I think the, you know, being better capitalized is, is a clear positive, right? Being able to, to spend more. But there's also always been a big opportunity for trade down. Hmm. So the consumer is a little strapped. They might shop somewhere different, right? They may trade from a you know, a full price store to a discount store. And so there's a lot of opportunity for some of those retailers to really uh, wave in the share, highlight value, um, get that message out to the consumer. And then I think within some of the more traditional retailers, it'll just be like a real focus on value, really providing that for the for the customer in a way that she needs and that that will also engender a lot of loyalty. That's phenomenal. Um can you talk about the kinds of things retailers have historically done to sustain business and marketing performance and even grow in a challenging market? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has to do with how you're positioned as a retailer. If you're expanding categories, you know, if you're launching new products, if you're opening new stores, those have historically been the types of concepts that have grown through a recession. Yeah because there's something else, right? You're going there for your black stretchy pants and you're buying a tennis outfit for the first time. You know, there are places where you can actually extend the basket. That's always been a good way to go. And then, you know, younger, newer, fresher concepts have really been able to make a lot of headway, even during tough economic times um, versus some of the incumbents. Absolutely. That's, that's phenomenal, Lorraine. I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, absolute hours. <laughs> but I think that we've had a very healthy conversation. I think that the value that you have shared with our listeners and viewers today, certainly things that they can take home uh, and take back to their marketing teams, I should say, uh, to really help them in not only preparation, but just battening down the hatches and, and surviving these, these economic times. Are there any final thoughts that you would give to marketers and brands out there uh, during this time that you, you feel they should should walk away with from this conversation? Yeah, I think we talked about most of it. Just focus on your core, your customer. Um, try to really provide a value message. And, and I think that's the best way to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. And for our listeners out there and our viewers, if there's more information that you'd like to learn uh, from Wonderkent, you can visit us on wonderkent.co. That's www.wonderkent.co, where we have tons of resources and information that ultimately help you with your performance marketing strategy. And we're certainly happy to chat with you anytime if you have any questions. Again, Lorraine, absolute mm -hmm. pleasure. Absolute pleasure talk, talking with you today. I hope we can have you back. Will you come back? Sure. Yeah. We will have you back anytime you're ready to Thank talk. You. you can call me up directly and we will come back here and have a conversation. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Awesome. So guys, again, thank you so much for your time. That's Individuality Unleashed.